0: So much news to unpack as we head into the divisional round of the nfl playoffs amber and ian presented to you by progressive insurance let's bring in friend of the show espn nfl front office insider mike tannebaum and tannebaum as always thanks for your time let's start with mike mccarthy he ain't going anywhere jerry is keeping him for at least one more year there in dallas why do you believe that that was the right decision for jerry jones to make Well,
2: you know, he's won 36 regular season games. And when you compare him to coaches like Sean Payton and Mike Tomlin, he has a very comparable win-loss record. They all have one Super Bowl title. And if we, for 11 months of the year, talk about praising justifiably organizations like the Pittsburgh Steelers for stability and mental toughness, that's exactly what Jerry Jones just, you know, exhibited, which is to make the right decision, not the easy one. And when you look at the improvement that Dak Prescott's made this year – after moving on to telling more, I think, despite horrific game management decisions, Mike McCarthy earned the
3: right to come back. well my all right, so Mike T, get ready. it's going to be one of our battles here on this one because I am stunned. I that... hydrated, so bring it on <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you might win, but like go back to training camp when Jerry was saying, "Hey, this is our year," and then you know the way it ended. I mean, it, you couldn't have been – they got their pants pulled down and their mama came in and spanked them on the fanny on national television in your room where you'd won 16 straight <laughs> and Jerry is saying, hey, I hear you laughing and you like that analogy, right, that visual I just gave you. Yeah. And Jerry's going, I can't comprehend what I just saw. That's why I'm stunned that he – bright." I, I, I said it last night, I'll say it again. I'm thrilled for the coaching staff. They're not calling moving trucks. But I'm stunned that Jerry made this decision. So having said what I just said – I mean, it's all about the postseason for Jerry right now. It's all about that next Lombardi he wants credit for. Having said all of that, I mean, I'm shocked that he brought Mike McCarthy back. I can't believe yeah, you aren't. I think, yeah, no,
2: I, I am surprised, but I think it's the right
3: decision. And I think, I think
2: with Jerry, guys, it's not a what you see is what you get. He's not as impetuous as, like, you know, the Steinbrenner family. Um, you know, I think he's really more thoughtful. And, and over the years, be it Wade Phillips or Jason Garrett, he's exemplified – giving coaches the benefit of the doubt. And again, like to me, you know, if the three of us were running the Dallas Cowboys, I would challenge the two of you to say is, and it's very similar candidly with Nick Sirianni, like go hire a coach that's going to go win 36 regular season games or more and have further postseason success. I'm telling you, it's hard to do. Like I've won playoff games. I've won road playoff games. It's really, really hard to do. And when you look at someone like Nick Sirianni, just the fact that, you know, there's a question about him being back. Like, if ESPN bet had odds that the next coach of the Eagles would have 36 wins, three playoff appearances, and one Super Bowl appearance, the odds of that, guys, would be overwhelming. And that's why I'm saying, like, look at Sean Payton. Look at Mike Tomlin. Like, those are great coaches, guys. And each of them, including Coach McCarthy, have one Super Bowl win.
3: Yeah, but McCarthy did that in Green Bay. Sean did that in you know New Orleans. He, I mean, he still has to do that in Denver. I mean, Mike McCarthy has not done that yet in in Dallas, and that's what that's what Jerry's all about. So, having said all of that, you you break, you bring up Nick Sirianni. Do you if you are there, what would you do with Philadelphia? Are you bringing him back, or are you saying you know what, you're out? I would I would say the same thing to
2: McCarthy and Sirianni, which is like. I want a detailed plan on how you can get better. The most successful people I know in life, guys, are the ones that, you know, it's a, it's a great expression of the key to life is what you learn once you know it all. And that both those guys have to be honest and sober to say, like, here's specifically what I can do better. Here's where I went wrong. McCarthy, it's clock management. With Nick, you know, presumably they're going to make a change, you know, a defensive coordinator. And they got to come back with, you know, a better plan. But I think both coaches – have candidly like earned the right now they have to go fix it. you know they have to be you know solving problems, and I think both of them have earned that right based on the fact that each one of them won thirty six regular season games, which is really really hard to do.
0: Yeah, it is very hard to win in the National Football League. Everybody seems to forget that. It's always about what have you done for me lately. Mike Tannebaum, ESPN, NFL front office insider. So let's talk about Dak, though, in Dallas, because Mike McCarthy is heading into the final year of his deal. So is Dak Prescott at quarterback in Dallas. He has something like a $62 million dead uh, cap hit next year if they don't restructure it or extend it or figure out something to do Tannebaum, what do you expect them to do with Dak
2: you gotta sign him um he's a really good quarterback I mean he was in the MVP conversation you know for a while so like to me you gotta keep him get it get it extended you know he's not going anywhere so um I would get that deal done sooner than later
0: Why do you have to sign him to a long deal, though? Why is that always the thing in the National Football League? Like, why can't Jerry say, okay, you know what? I got to spread out this cap hit. Let's sign you to a two- maybe three-year prove-it deal. Why don't we ever see any of that? We always see these monstrous deals. Why don't we see the prove-it deals? Even even when we're talking about Tua in Miami and they're talking about should they pay him, I never quite understand why owners feel like there's so much pressure to pay these quarterbacks. We never actually see these quarterbacks walk in free agency and leave.
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Amber. I mean, sometimes you see a guy like Kirk Cousins go short, but I think you want stability in that position and giving Dak's you're still young enough that he should play at least another five years at a high level so i think it's really having the stability of that position
3: all right so mike t how do you balance and take us behind the scenes as a gm you got cd lamb coming up you got Micah parsons coming up you have 16 free agents that are on that dallas cowboys roster and you're talking about extending Dak. how do you manage all of that
2: um, you go to Jerry Jones and say, you know all that money you've been making? We're, we're going to spend it.
4: <laughs> and uh, I
2: think I think to me, like, th- this one's sort of easy for me, and I would pay Dak, Micah, and C.D. And then, you know, some of those other guys are going to have to graduate, you know, be it Tyron Smith, who's good but injury-prone, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, Tony Pollard. And then yeah, I would draft a running back. I would try to keep um, Jordan Lewis because I think he's a great tackler in the slot. But some of those guys are going to graduate.
0: Mike Tannenbaum joining us since I but just that was brought up the
3: of fact. By the way, that was a matter very, of fact.
2: Answer. Very matter. <laughs> f-
0: it was a g- spoken like a guy who spent a lot of time in some front offices, including the one down there in Miami. So, if you were still there, what would you be doing with Tua Tungavaloa?
2: Yeah, you know that that one's challenging to me, Amber, because you know to Tua's credit, he played in all 17 games. You know, despite the, in the NFL there were 66 different starting quarterbacks. So I would, you know give him a representative average per year, and then we would slug it out on the uh, the guarantees. Because, you know, going back to Alabama, he's had injury issues. But he, he, he deserves a contract. He's played well, and he answered the bell for 17 games. So I would try to guarantee maybe the first two years instead of, you know, three years. And um, like I said, that's where I think the rubber is going to have to beat the road. But he, he has earned an extension.
3: How does Bill Belichick, if he ends up in Atlanta, fit with that Falcons organization and that roster right now? Because right now they look to me like they're Noah's Ark. they got two of everything except a quarterback.
2: Yep. Go get Bill Belichick. Go get a quarterback. And all of a sudden, like, we're in business. And, you know, that defense is pretty good. Um, Probably better than people realize, Ian. So if I'm Arthur Blank, I don't let him leave the building. And then, um, you know, pick at, you know, the Georgia native Justin Fields. And away we go.
3: All right, last one, and this is going to be lead to a heated debate possibly between Amber and I. John Harbaugh had a great sit-down with CBS Sports, about, and his whole point was why aren't more special teams coordinators considered for head coaching positions in college and pro football? Why do you believe there aren't more special teams coordinators that aren't considered to be head coaches in, in major college football and the National Football League?
2: They should, and you know who else would agree with us is Bill Belichick, a former special teams coach. And nobody knows the rules outside of your brother, of course, in special teams. And Bill, and he, he uh, takes a lot of pride in that. And you know, one other thing that's interesting is when you're a special teams coach, you're you're like the CEO of like the roster in terms of like your like who's going to be on active, who's not. Your reps have to be as efficient as possible, so it, it makes all the sense in the world. If you look at John Harbaugh's background and Bill Belichick's, they have stunning similarities.
0: I'm not going to go. He Ian keeps saying we're going to argue about this. I'm not going to go in on Fitz. I'm not. I'm not taking on special teams coordinators. They they seem excellent. Everybody That's should hire them. Head <laughs> That's not what you said in our pre-show meeting. <laughs> He's trying to set me up to try to take down the rest of the Fitzsimmons family. That's not happening, Tannebaum. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Mike Tannebaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. Thanks, Mike.
3: All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> you're welcome, Mike Wilson. That is the complete opposite of what you said in our pre-show meeting.
0: I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, your you know, brother what? is a special teams coordinator. I have not met him. I have not had the pleasure. I'm sure he's an excellent man. As our special teams coordinator, this has really nothing
3: speedy. to do with with family. This has to do with what John Harbaugh was talking about with CBS Sports. And I'm curious to get into this conversation. Why aren't more special teams coordinators considered? for head coaching positions. I'm going to give you a list of guys that got their start in teams. And I'm telling you, any owner, any general manager that listens to these names, is going to change your mind when it comes to whether you do or do not interview special teams coaches to be your head coach next year on ESPN Radio.
4: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network.
0: Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons here (laughs) with you. Ian Fitzsimmons brother, of course, to Devin Fitzsimmons, who is a special teams coordinator in the NFL for many years. So Ian right now, Heated about special teams coordinators. Hey, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to save money when you bundle your auto policy with home, condo, or renters. You'll earn a multi policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit progressive.com.
3: I- I'm not heated about it. It's, 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 it's that CBS Sports did a remarkable piece. Uh, you check it out on cbsports.com with John Harbaugh being, again, the top seed in the AFC. And what was his background?
0: Special teams coordinator.
3: Nine years as a, as the STC for the Philadelphia Eagles. So they went to Harbaugh and they asked him, why aren't more special teams coaches considered, even considered, interviewed to be head coaches in the NFL? And he gave a deep dive, which led them to Bill Cower. Do you know where Bill Cower got his start? I don't. Special teams coordinator. I
0: was going to guess that.
3: You know who else did? Mike I Tannenbaum just mentioned it. Bill Belichick,
0: special teams
3: coordinator. You know who else was a man who led the judge? Well, yeah, Joe (laughs) Judge, which I'll get touch on him in a moment. But you know who else was a man (laughs) who led the Bills to four consecutive Super Bowls? Marv Levy started special teams coordinator. You know who else was head coach of the St. Louis Rams to a Super Bowl and the Philadelphia Eagles to a Super Bowl? Dick Vermeil, special teams coach.
0: So they've had some success as head coaches in the NFL, but they don't get looked some? at often. So is, is this you campaigning for, for, for fits, as known in coaching Hell no. For, no, for, he's for a Devin. grown-ass man. Is he, your, mean, I, is he your little brother or your big brother?
3: He's the, he, he is the little brother. Of, L- he's the oh, youngest he's of four. He's the littlest.
0: Oh, he's the but baby. Has,
3: this has nothing to do oh, with, with
0: the my ba- – the baby of the family. You're uh, trust trying to get me, the baby he, of the family like, like, head like, coaching gig? Is that what's happening?
3: I'm just hoping he gets a job. I mean, right. you know, look, I mean, are you kidding me? You know how hard it is to, you got to be one of, of, of 64, either, you know, at, at the best of your craft, you have to be the best of 64 people, meaning you are the special teams coach or the assistant. You are the offensive coordinator or assistant. You are the defensive coordinator or the assistant decor. You have to be one of the best. In, I'm so proud of that kid. Are you kidding me? It has nothing to do with my brother. This has to do with football and John Harbaugh, I mean, went on a tirade, and this is to all seven openings that are out there right now. Mm-hmm. And this is what John Harbaugh was talking about. Who has the most interaction with the entire team?
0: Well, the special teams coordinator has a lot of interaction with everybody at every position because they have to, because they have to utilize those positions you, on special teams. They got have to, to know-, know where they can t- take per- personnel from. Can I borrow your starters for here? Can I do this and that? I need your, you know, I'd obviously uh, O-line. Whatever, every every position. Every you position. You know
3: every personality and how to manage them on every single position group. You have to be in touch with the offensive line, the, right. the, the defensive line, the wide receivers. Who can I use as a gunner? Who can I, who can I not use as a gunner? Punt mm-hmm. protect, punt, punt coverage, all of it. You are in tune with the offensive side, the defensive side every offensive coach, every defensive coach. So what John Harbaugh's point was, and Bill Cower, Bill Cower, all of a sudden Harbaugh brought Cower into this conversation, and Cower went on a rant. I mean, this is a fascinating read on cbssports.com. And you know at the top when it says, you know, because of our attention deficit disorder we have in, in our modern society today where when you're reading an article at, at the top, it goes, this is a two-minute read. This is a yeah. three-minute read. Which is pathetic. That is a, know, an indictment it's, it's, on our con- on our entire society. This will only take this amount of time. Well, this is a seven minute read, so that's like reading Anna Karenina,
0: right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like
3: war right? I mean, we're going Tolstoy here. Yeah, it is. But that's oh, how deep that's a dive they way. went because Bill Cower went off. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is remarkable, and his point is. Special teams coaches do not get enough consideration. He said, that's where I learned to be a head coach. Because you had to manage the entire roster. John Harbaugh, who has now been, what, 17, 18 years now as the head coach of the Baltimore Ravens. Top seed, best record in the NFL. He said the same thing. You learn how to manage every single position group and coaches. Because you are the pseudo-CEO of that entire team. Because you're having to manage the head coach, the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, O-line, D-line coaches, wide receivers, DBs, all of them. Because you have to understand who's healthy, who isn't, this personality, that personality, the entire roster. The point that John Harbaugh was making is, in this coaching cycle, where you have Seven openings right now. Why aren't the the Rizzies of the New Orleans Saints, who actually did interview to be the head coach of your Miami Dolphins, why aren't people, owners, GMs, interviewing more special teams coaches? The last special teams coach to be hired as a head coach was Joe Judge. You mentioned it. Mm -hmm. And the problem with Joe Judge And I think he'll tell you this, is that he wasn't Joe Judge when he took the job. He tried to be Bill Belichick.
0: But when when that hire happened, people kind of insulted it as uh, they're hiring a special teams guy, you know. And we heard about it a lot throughout his tenure that he was a special teams coach. And I feel like people think of it as an insult. To your point, from a personnel perspective, I understand exactly what you're saying because they are in the unique position of having to pluck from every position group in order to put their special teams together. So they know everybody on the team. They know all the personnel and they have to work with all the position coaches, including the main coaches, the head coach as well. So I I do understand it from that perspective. I would imagine the knock against the special teams coordinator is from a schematic perspective. So from a personnel perspective, it makes all the sense from a schematic perspective. You've never seen that dude write a playbook and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but I'm just guessing that that's why you get these OCs or, you know, putting together coverages. You get these DCs that are talked about more in these coaching circles with some of the things that they've done. They probably get spoken about more, and then everyone's a bit more aware of the things that they've done, and then they get interviewed for these head coaching jobs. So Bill Cow was the special teams coordinator gets overlooked for.
3: Bill Cow was asked that very question. He goes, "I, I I never coached offense. Right. You hire a you good offensive mind, right? So you're yeah. going to say Bill Cowher didn't know ball, or Belichick didn't know ball as a special teams coordinator, or Marv Levy, or Dick Vermeil, or John Harbaugh. They hire the guys that they know that do know offense and defense. They manage the entire roster. And they know down, distance, clock, situation, everything, because that's their job at all times when it comes to punt, fake punt, field goal, fake field goal, all of it. That is their job. And it, it is amazing to me that more STC guys, you heard Mike Tannenbaum just say it also. Right. Go read his speech with Bill Cower and John Harbaugh basically standing on a pedestal going, more STC guys should be considered. And every owner, every general manager, you are missing out on a remarkable opportunity because these dudes have to manage the entire roster. And that leads to leaders of men. And to your point, how many offensive geniuses have failed? Matt Patricia was a defensive genius. How'd that work out, right? I mean, right. we can go on down the list of offensive b- brilliant minds that have failed as, o- as head coaches. Defensive brilliant minds that have failed as head coaches. STC guys, it's a remarkable read. I know it's going to take seven minutes of your time. Holy mother, that's like reading a Bible. But you know what? It's worth it to see the logic and the reason behind what John Harbaugh and Bill Cower are preaching.
0: How old's your brother? Forty. <laughs> And she called him a kid earlier. You said, I'm so She's proud of that kid. kid. He's <laughs> smart Because he's your baby brother. That's how it works. You're saying this ain't about him. It's probably not overall about him. But I still think that you're campaigning a little no, bit. No, not for at Fitz. all. Somebody hire Fitz. You know what? One of these <laughs> openings. Atlanta Falcons, stop interviewing just Bill. Uh, let's bring in Fitz for an interview as well. We're going to have plenty more here on Amber and Ian. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app.
4: Visit 1 800 gambler.net. First bet offer for new customers only, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non
2: withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
0: Both those guys, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, they are going to have an opportunity this weekend. We like to call it an opportunity here on Amber and Ian. A pressure, right? Ian, i drive not- me nuts. Not prove it, but an opportunity here in the divisional round. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to save money when you bundle your auto policy. With home, condo, or renters, you'll earn a multi-policy discount. Easy to bundle, easy to save. Visit Progressive.com. Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons with you. So Lamar is 1-3 in, in his playoff career. He has not advanced past the divisional playoffs he has been there he has been there on a season where he won an mvp probably like he will this season right and then he got bounced after sitting at the end of the regular season all very similar getting the bye he goes to the divisional round big favorite, bam. Yep. Big favorite gets gets killed i mean his, his team on the titans embarrassing gone. loss gone uh that was the last time josh allen Three career playoff games with a four pass, uh, four rush touchdown, zero turnover performance that's tied with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Montana for the most in NFL history. Josh Allen has fared a little bit better in these playoffs than Lamar Jackson, but Josh Allen has not got the better of the series with the Kansas City Chiefs on this stage. And that is going to mean a lot if he can get it done in Buffalo. So both of these guys with something not to prove, Ian, but an opportunity.
3: Yeah, and this, the, the reason that you know, Amber and I come up with the word opportunity over the overused and crutch of pressure is you, know, you talk to any coach out there and you never know who's listening, but Amber and I ran into a couple coaches recently where they're like, man, your network uses that word pressure so much. We all have pressure. All of us have pressure. I mean, everyone feels pressure. It's more about opportunity than pressure. And, and I love that. I mean, I, I, we've embraced it. I mean, because you do. I mean, everyone, if you don't feel a bit of pressure, then, you, man, you're not alive. I mean, let's go, man. I mean, this is a playoffs. This, this is, let's just go and, and, and knock the snot out of somebody and will get a dub. So I, I, I love the way that, that we have, instead of saying pressure, because they all feel it, it's a matter of opportunity. And to me, Lamar Jackson has more of an opportunity here than Josh Allen. And that's not saying Josh Allen doesn't, but you just mentioned it. Lamar Jackson is about to win his second MVP at the age of 27. That's historic. And he's one in three in the, in the playoffs. One in mm-hmm. three. And as Troy Aikman, three-time Super Bowl champion, NFL Hall of Famer, said on Monday, you are judged in the postseason as a quarterback. Right, wrong, or indifferent, that is how you are judged. And so, Lamar Jackson this year has gotten Odell Beckham Jr. The front office drafted Zay Flowers. You know, the the first-round draft pick out of Boston College, whom, if the Baltimore Ravens had not taken Zay Flowers, I think Chris Canty would have walked off of our NFL draft set and said, to hell with it, I quit. I mean, he was that emphatic about, the Ravens giving Lamar Jackson more help, and that was his number one receiver on the board. And my gosh, Zay Flowers has delivered. He's getting his whoopie Mark Andrews back this weekend, Amber. He ha- the defense has always been there. They have a new OC in Todd Monken who has, I mean, just not only unleashed Lamar Jackson, but, I mean, they have taken to each other like peanut butter and jelly. So having said all of that, as a nine point favorite at home. Massive opportunity for Lamar Jackson to survive and advance and try to help his team get to one step closer to a Super Bowl. And that one step would be getting to an AFC championship game.
0: Here's why I agree with you. I agree with you. Whoa, hold because, on. Do you agree? Ah, uh, I know. I know. I didn't really want to do it. I was debating. I was trying to find a way here. I mean, I was thinking I should argue the Josh Allen side of this. But from an opportunity perspective, the reality is... That Josh Allen has done so much more in the postseason, not in terms of actually winning anything of significance here. We haven't seen Josh Allen in a Super Bowl, but he's done so much more statistically speaking than Lamar Jackson has done. Lamar Jackson has not been good in the postseason. He's held under a 50 total QBR in three of his four playoff starts. Uh, Had at least one interception in all four of his playoff starts, sacked at least three times in all four of his playoff starts, posted only one playoff game in history with 300 passing yards, 100 rushing yards. That was back in those 2019 divisional round playoffs. uh, And that was when they lost to the Titans. So he has not been good overall. On the flip side, Josh Allen has been pretty great. And yes, he is 0-2 against Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs, right? And I love how we do that against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, I mean, said, Josh is out night. there.
3: That's w- funny. What was the one we saw last night? Head to I mean, head, Josh Allen, Patrick <laughs> Mahomes,
0: because both <laughs> of them played defense, both sides of the ball. Let's go. It? Hold on, cool. I
3: got to remember it. It, was, uh, it wasn't It was on our network. It was on another network, uh, but I think it was on uh, NFL network. I got it. It was Patrick Mahomes, six touchdowns, no INTs, versus Josh Allen in the playoffs. <laughs> Holy mother, I didn't know Josh Allen was playing safety. Are you kidding? <laughs> like what? Are you kidding me? Right. To, to your point. Like what are we doing? But anyway, But we uh, do okay. we do that. And
0: we do that because we do like this matchup idea. It's the Brady Manning matchup, right? It's right. It's yep. Mahomes, Allen, yeah, and, and they deep. are that.
3: That's going way too deep, right? Like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes only has six, six touchdowns, no ints versus that's, Josh Allen. I know Allen.
0: throwing actually Didn't the actual stats out there. Josh Allen playing
3: edge rush, right? But anyway, what I
0: will give for the stat is the win loss here, and yes. Patrick Mahomes has yes. won two games in the playoffs uh, against the Bills, and so there you go. Josh Allen's been on the wrong side of that one statistic, and because of that, certainly he would love to win this game once Kansas City is finally in Buffalo for a playoff game, but we've also seen Josh Allen do big things individually in playoff games in the past. Lamar Jackson has shrunk in those moments, and I do think that there is an opportunity here for Lamar Jackson on a season where he's probably going to be another MVP for him, where if he is able to, he got paid the big money, whereas he is able to not only win an MVP, but now also win in the postseason and do it well, I think that that means a lot. And I do think, like, there's already a changing narrative around Lamar Jackson. None of these guys need it. This is why I didn't want to use the pressure word either. Because really, realistically, nobody's out on Lamar or Josh Allen, right? Nobody. Hell no. (laughs) Nobody's out. I understand Josh Allen has some interceptions, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Nobody's out on either of those guys. Most teams would kill to Have either of those guys at QB. Everybody thinks those guys are great. So that's why it's not about them proving it or that they need to do this or whatever, but there is a real opportunity here to showcase that they can. And I think that opportunity exists more for Lamar Jackson because of a lack of what he's been able to do in the postseason so far. Texans, Ravens, you can watch that on ABC, on ESPN. We're also bringing it to you on ESPN+. Coverage will begin at 4.30 p.m. Eastern for that game.
3: You look at Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. They're riding a six-game win streak right now. Six and one versus playoff teams, if you include the win over, over Pittsburgh. Six and one over playoff teams. Like like the Dallas Cowboys beat two teams right that were were playoff teams. The Bills right now are six and damn one, seven and one with Joe Brady calling plays after Ken Dorsey was dismissed as offensive coordinator. They found a different stride. I, I can't wait to watch Bills and Chiefs. And then on the other side, man, you look at Lamar Jackson going up against this this young team in the Texans where they don't know any different. I mean, they're like like the Green Bay Packers, right, where Mm -hmm. they're so young, they don't know that, hey, this this isn't normal. Like, C.J. Stroud is used to going to the postseason. He's used to going to Big Ten titles. He's used to going to the college football playoff. He's a rookie quarterback going, this is what I've always done. Right. These are smaller
0: stadiums (laughs) compared to what he's (laughs) used to. I always play- t- people, like, <laughs> do people do re- people realize that you know, like, like the CJ Strouds 70, of the world
3: here, right? Yeah. I'm used He's to playing like, in front of 110. Exactly. I mean, He's like, way- "Where's
0: everybody else? This, this is, is it- small. This is nothing. This stage. This is fine. There's no This is JV, here. right? I mean, yeah. come
3: on, man. Exactly. In Ohio State, we're playing in front of 110 in a big house, man. Are you kidding me? I mean, this. You know, we're playing in you know in the, the Georgia Dome in front of 90,000 for the you know, for against Georgia. You know, in, in in the college football playoff semi, where they lost by one play,
0: mm-hmm. that's so these, pressure. Not, so this. Young not the young guys around. Yeah, Nico <laughs> Collins
3: and Will Anderson, right, is a rookie out of Alabama. And Christian Harris, who had a pick six in that last game, they're so young. Like the Green Bay Packers, they're they, that they're like they just don't know that this doesn't happen every year. They are not veterans that you 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 don't understand that you know what this 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 ain't normal. You have to really grind to get here. They are stars off of college teams that are used to playing in the postseason. So I wonder how much of that travels when it comes to the Texans and Green Bay, two heavy favorites in Baltimore, as we're talking about a remarkable opportunity for Lamar Jackson to further his legacy, right? And the Green Bay Packers going out as a nine-point dog on ESPN bet to San Francisco. Bottom line is, these young dudes, they may not know, but they 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 might find out how grand this stage is and what this round is like when you're coming off a bye week against two juggernauts, and then Buffalo, they're just I, I think Buffalo not having a bye, and having to continue, that was more like, just continuing this role that they're on in a six game win streak. So right. I mean, they
0: had, to cut, they had to come back this season. They had to claw their way back. They're headed absolutely on sh- the right path. They're hot. They're riding that high. We'll see if it continues. Both of these guys with a big opportunity this weekend. Chiefs at Bills. That's a 6.30 p.m. Eastern game on Sunday. But again... To get you started, Texans at Ravens. That game is coming your way on our airwaves Saturday. Coverage begins at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on ABC, ESPN, and on ESPN+. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, why Dan Campbell had to defend one of his defenders this week. The Detroit Lions are looking ahead to their game against the Tampa Bay Bucks, but they are still answering questions about their last game, Amber and Ian, presented by Progressive. So Dan Campbell today, Ian, he had to address the story where tight end Tyler Higbee of the Rams... He tore his ACL. That was after absorbing a low hit from Detroit safety lion Kirby Joseph. And so people were asking about the Kirby Joseph hit to Dan Campbell today. It was a low hit. He went after the knees, okay, whether – I'm not saying necessarily on purpose, uh, but some people are – You're are, not
3: saying he went after. It just, I'm not saying he
0: went after it like necessarily he, yeah. on purpose. Right. Right. He ends up making contact with the lower body of Higby and – blows out his knee in the process, essentially. And it's football and it's hard to put on the brakes. And we're living in a world where we tell these guys, of course, you can't tackle up high because you don't want any head injuries. And then if they're going low, though, this is the problem potentially with doing that. Here's Dan Campbell, the Detroit Lions head coach on on Kirby Joseph's hit.
4: When Kirby Joseph, he's caught some flack for a couple of hits he's made the last couple of weeks. I'm just wondering what
1: you say to him, if you counsel him about his play style at all. We, that's how we play football here. Just keep your head up. See what you hit. You know, that, that's, that'll that's that always be what I tell Kirby. You know, just keep your eyes up so you don't hit on the crown of your helmet and, uh, you know, you hit a spine, you know, you mess yourself up there. Just see what you hit. Um, but no, I mean, we're he's going for the thigh board and, and uh, you know, staying away from the head and, uh, you know, we're that's how we play defense here. We're not dirty. It's just, you know, we're, we hit. So
0: he defends his guy. Dan Campbell defending his guy is not surprising uh, because you're going to defend your guy when you're headed into the divisional round and you're focused on that. But also, it's Dan Campbell, right? He's kind of one of those coaches you assume that he's going to take it up for the men in the locker room. Dan Campbell was also a tight end himself in the National Football League. So sort of interesting here because this was a tight end who who gets his ACL blown out from this hit, Ian.
3: This is one where after the hit, Matthew Stafford goes up to to Joseph and Matthew Stafford's been around for Dan Muir a decade and a half and seen everything. And you can see Stafford not yelling, right, just kind of calmly talking to Joseph like, hey, man. And you saw the hand gesture like, you know, meaning, Oh, he said it was
0: dirty. The mic picked it up. He said that was dirty and you know it. Yeah, he, but he said it. i yeah. like,
3: oh, I, I missed that. I didn't see yeah, that. Yeah, he said it. But you saw, I saw his hand gesture like, man, you, I mean, could he have hit him in the waist? Yeah, he could have. But these dudes are running at a 4 4. I mean, it, it's it's fast. And these, these, I, I don't envy any defender right now because you're not allowed to go high. Right. You're not, you're not supposed to go low. Your target area is about a foot and a half. Right. I mean that ain't it's, easy. it's darn near that impossible. Is not easy. It's but to 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 Dan Campbell's point, and this is something Chris Spielman used to preach when I was in Columbus, Ohio. Spiels was uh was on right before Herb Street and I and I got to know I call him thirty six when it comes to Buckeye talk in college and he's fifty four when we talk in the NFL. So we're going to fifty four year And five four said and he always preached to everybody, you know, at clinics and when he would go, you know, do appearances, whatever. He said you see what you hit, hit what you see, close the gate in front of the ball, one step wrap, two two tests, two step squeeze and arrive with bad intentions. That's how you tackle somebody. Well, that is a lost art, Amber. The see what you you heard Dan Campbell say it there also. See what you hit, hit what you see, close the gate in front of the ball, one step wrap, which we don't see anymore. It's all right. shoulder hits, right? Yeah two-step squeeze, you don't see that anymore and arrive with bad intentions. Now that you do see. I'm not going to say Joseph's hit was necessarily intentionally dirty, but because they're going at, at such a high rate of speed, what do you, what do you what do we want defenders to do? Hey, Harry Black is our AP tonight. He was an offensive lineman in Illinois, played at a very high level in the Big 10. And Harry, were there opportunities when you, when you were playing ball? Because a lot of people are saying that Joseph took an opportunity here to put one of Matthew Stafford's w- willbies, right, his blue blanket, like Linus, Higby, out of the game. Were there opportunities when you were actually playing where you would recognize, I have a, I have a shot right here. Like if you're center disengaged, right? Because you can't, you can't go in and, and cut, guy, cut a guy if he's engaged with another offensive lineman. But if you had the corner of your eye saw your center or guard disengage, and you're like, oh, this guy's been wrecking this all game, and it's an instinct play, and you went low. I mean, does that go through your mind? I would say not as much that.
4: It would be more so throughout the course of a game. Say a guy's getting a jump on you. Uh, Usually this is for one of your tackles. Uh, If a guy's getting a jump on you, if a guy's starting to be able to pick up what your stance is, that's when you go out and cut him. That's when you see he's trying to get upfield, you take him out, you slow him down. That's a football play. That's what an offensive lineman's gonna do in that situation. Now, I also gotta say on this one by by uh by Kirby Joseph, again, we've restated it over and over again. Do you want him to go low? No. Do you want him to go high? No. If you're telling him to go at his chest, you want him to I think uh Campbell said it, do you want him to hit him with with uh with Kirby's head, injure his spine? No. You want him to leave with his shoulder, dislocate his shoulder? No. He it, It's football. It is a tough physical sport. People get hurt. That's what happens.
0: Players will tell you they'd rather get hit high than low, but the league certainly wouldn't rather you get hit high than low. That's the reality. Now, the league doesn't want you knocked out of the game, period, because it's better for the league to have all of its players, especially its best players in the game. It's best for competition. It's best for product. It's better for everybody. But what the league sure as hell doesn't want is any more liability associated with head injuries because they've already been there and done that, right? And it's bad look, and it's it could potentially could damage the NFL and the brand altogether. So they sure as heck don't want that in the game so i would imagine if you have to choose then you're choosing low but the unwritten rule there amongst the players is you don't hit a player low because they're gonna rip an acl or an mcl and that's exactly what happened here it's
3: faster to come back from concussion protocol than it is from an acl injury
0: right immediately after that play uh stafford went over to joseph and said you're dirty as bleep and you know it it's been on tape i've seen it those no, were the that. words. I yeah. missed that. You know, he yelled a- it at Joseph, and the mics picked it up. He was hey. very heated, Stafford. It, it was very heated, and he was very convinced that this was a dirty hit by Kirby Joseph, that he had done it on purpose. All I will say is as a defender, I can only imagine how impossible it, ain't easy. it is. At this point. And I was surprised. I was watching around the horn today, and all the panelists were talking about how the NFL has to do something and how the PA needs to look into this, and they need to legislate these hits, essentially. And I'm thinking, okay, but, like, if you can't hit them below the waist and you can't hit them above the shoulders, where are we? We're giving them a one-foot. We're just the torso. nothing else. got
3: got rocked. uh, Can't hit his ribs.
0: Can't break them. We're going to have to legislate that as well, right? I mean, what are you supposed to do as
3: a defender? Breathe on Exactly.
0: Exactly. You can't, I mean, it is tackle football. As long as it's tackle football, it's going to be a problem. You've got to let defenders do something to try to defend the game, right? Uh, It's uh, A difficult situation, but also you don't want anybody injured.